You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight, we're talking about Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of Stephen King's bestseller, The Shining. You know trouble. Me, fifth element. Supreme being. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Just said Father's Day classic. <laughs> it is a Father's Day. I think I think this should be everybody's Father's Day movie. All right, come on, kids. <laughs> We're gonna watch The Shining. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. We're your host. I'm Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, Mr. Jeremy Benson. Is there a Father's Day movie? Like, I can't even think of one. <laughs> There's got to be one. Oh, there was that. Robin Williams didn't he do one? Is it called Father's Day? Yeah, Nicole, it, it may yeah. be. It may be called Father's Day. Billy Crystal, right? Dude, don't get me lying. Think Robin Williams is. is Billy Crystal's dad. <laughs> no, I think both of them are like deadbeat dads, and they figure out that they have sons or something like that. I yeah, I really long I've time. never seen that one. Late '90s movie. But when I think Father's Day, I think this movie. <laughs> and that's Jared Callen. <laughs> hey, how's it going, Brian? It's going well, man. Guys, here we are. Here the we Shiner. are. Yeah. March Madness continuing. This is the 237th hour of March Madness. Is it really? Fuck, I don't know. It would be amazing if it was. But that's a lot of movies. We haven't seen that many. <laughs> Benson's got a look on his face like, what the fuck? Oh, wait. Are you talking about our March Madness? I yeah, thought you were uh, talking about real March no, Madness. No, our March Madness. Yeah, I do. I don't know anything about like yeah, ba- basketball. Or, it's, ba- it's basketball, right? March Madness? That's a Benson question. The cat tried to answer, but no. What's what's March Madness, Jeremy? Huh? <laughs> I said, what is March Madness for real? Oh, it's the basketball tournament. Okay, so it's basketball. Yeah, I don't sports. Sorry. The, yeah, I don't the, really um, <laughs> was the college or college S- thing? SEC? No, no. The, see, the national college thing. The NCAA. NCAA? National you're, you're, college. You're close. Basketball? You're close. NCAA. The, NCAA. Oh, see? Right, there we go. Now all of our listeners are like turning it off. They're like, fuck these guys. <laughs> it's the same thing as the NCAA P, but. Wait. <laughs> I think that's wrong. But yeah. Without the P. It has to be. It's something about basketball. 
God. I don't know. Uh, what was it? A psycho episode. I, I don't. What did I call Vera Miles the whole episode? I said her name wrong. And somebody sent us an email. Mira, and then also apparently we said Rod Sterling. Uh, yeah. Uh, instead of Sterling. Sterling. Yeah. Sorry. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes happen. What are you going to do? So what? You know, but to be fair, lots of lots of wine. Just 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 think that, and then let's see no, how well you that say. Was, that was a Rod sober Sir. podcast. Oh, that, Remember that half was in the of that of the was day. sober, at least for me. No, that was yeah, that was so that was a sober <laughs> podcast, and it was also too early. Like it this one's late. really late, and that one was really early. So yeah, you're getting everything this month. That's right. We're balancing out our madness. Ooh. The Shining. Where do you guys want to start? You guys want to you guys want to talk a little bit about the book here? You want to talk about go, drive into the movie? What do, you, what do you guys want to do? Where do you want to start? I don't know. There's so much. It, it You're is. You're the one with the notebook. It's a little overwhelming. Well, I guess you know. Let's let's start a little bit with Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, it's our, our second film we've covered from him. We we did do uh, 2001. I think that was our 100th episode. Was it? I think so. Nice. This one's 150. I know. <laughs> it's like it was. Planned. It's like every 50 episodes we got to do another one. All right, I'm down with that. Okay. Eyes Wide Shut next at 200? Sure. Or Full Metal Jacket. Ooh. How about that uh, How about that one they never did, Napoleon? Let's watch that one. No. <laughs> we'll see Jared. <laughs> Artificial intelligence. And oh, just... yeah, 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 there we go. Or it could be Barry Lyndon, but uh, I don't know. Who hmm. knows? Yeah, what's the Kubrick estate once we actually start going through it after all of his relatives have died? Who knows what we'll find in there? Apparently, there's, there's still edits of this movie. There's multiple edits. Like oh, yeah. it, it, he was still editing up until he died, so they're still like you know. I don't. Well, I don't know if he was actually editing. He's like he he, no, dude. He's in there on the on the moviola. He's like. <laughs> he was working on the fucking eyes wide shut for like the last like five years of his life. Wasn't yeah, he? that was digital. He's over here working. On <laughs> he was working on AI with Spielberg. Yeah, I know they were bouncing around that idea there for a while. Spielberg would make the joke that he would kept getting faxes in the middle of the night. Kubrick storyboards. There are some great stories surrounding Stanley Kubrick and The Shining. Like, I, there's an awesome story with like uh, Stephen King getting a phone call from him at some like random time. He's like, "Do you believe in God?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if they're supernatural beings, I mean, that's evidence of the heaven. That's great, right? That's good news. <laughs> um, yeah, Stanley, that's how it works. I don't know if you're taking away the horror message here of the book. Uh, <laughs> Seems uplifting. <laughs> you got to dig real deep to get to there. Oh, we also have to mention um, Garrett Brown, the inventor of the Steadicam. Rocked it on this. Yeah. Holy shit. I think that probably the most, like, outside of Here's Johnny... Just Danny going with the big wheel on all the hallways. Just the crazy fucking, like, crazy wide-angle Steadicam shots. And then they, they, even, like, running. Like, holy shit, how are you doing this? Man, just think about how much shorter the movie would be without all the Danny riding the big wheel around the hotel shots. Would it really be that much shorter? Oh, yeah, easily an hour and a half shorter. Well, it, <laughs> if, if you cut down that, if you cut down that, and then a lot of that maze shit at the end, where the, or the chasing in the maze... Uh, it would it would significantly shorten the film. It was like a TV episode then. Yeah, thirty minute show. But I will say the last twenty minutes of this movie. Stuff and that's what I'm saying. The last twenty minutes of this movie is like your heart races. You're like, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, and and that's just with that forward momentum of that moving camera constantly. Trust me, I just watched it twenty minutes ago. It's crazy. <laughs> no, and there's a lot of yeah, a lot of moving uh, <clears throat> shots. Well, I mean, you know, Kubrick always liked to try to move his, his camera as much as possible. Although when he gets no, in conversation, he he's locked it down, and it's just one. Wait, have you not seen shot. fucking 2001, bro? That camera is locked the fuck down. 
What? What? No, Brian, we've talked about this. Come on. <laughs> He he's he's moving in in two thousand one a little bit yeah. a little bit. He's also moving a lot of the set too. Like sometimes it's it's good to like just you know hold your camera down and and move everything else. I get with that, yeah. Yeah, and then Barry Lyndon with the movie he did before this. I mean, if you watch that film, that film is almost completely zooms. That's all the camera movement. I noticed a lot of zooms in this, but but they're nice. They're kind yeah, of they they're, they're 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 very cool. Especially the one where, uh, like, she comes in with uh, breakfast, like, in, into the mirror. Oh, yeah. And then, like, Jack kind of, like, looks over into the mirror and, you know, like, sticks his tongue out. And he's like, ah, you know. Like, this so it's such a cool fucking reveal. Did you guys notice every time Jack Nicholson sees a ghost, he's always facing a mirror? Or there is a mirror very prominently in the shot with his reflection? Every single time. Show me the mirror in the bathroom sequence where he sees the uh, lady coming out of the tub. Over the sink. Yeah, it's over the sink. He sees her uh, r- uh, rotting corpse in the mirror. Oh, that's when they're kissing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm talking about, I, I was thinking of the opening of that, but yeah, the end of that scene. You're yeah, right. There, All right. There's always a mirror. Sorry. Present. Just uh, <laughs> pop quiz, motherfucker. Jared's <laughs> <laughs> like, were you really paying attention? <laughs> and who passed the pop quiz? <laughs> <laughs> we got Dennis, Dennis Hopper from Speed over here. <laughs> what are you going to do when a madman takes a bus from a bunch of dynamite? What are you going to do? Did you see the continuity error at the kitchen? No, I, I, I was thinking about it. But so, is that when? Okay, is that when they're doing the tour at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, explain it to me because I looked for it, but I, I totally missed it. But, but actually, I think the reason I missed it is because they had already like exited, and I was like, "Shit!" I was supposed to be looking for something there. Well, the camera's moving so much in that scene; it's just that you know, steady cam shot where, where they're going through the kitchen. It's hard. You're just kind of, you know, if you're not if you're not looking look, at the actors, if you're looking at the actors, you won't see it. I was totally looking at the actors, and I couldn't get over the guy being very condescending. The guy who, like, hired Jack Nicholson. Like, his performance is very, like... <laughs> I am haughty totty Well, uh, do, do you mind if we take, uh, if we mind if we take Wendy away for a little while? Is that okay with you? That, that kind of shit. But anyways, we're working... He's here. a total dick in the book. Is he? Well, he's a total dick there. Oh, yeah, he's, <laughs> I was he's feeling way worse that, in the book. Rolling off of him. He's a fucking Yeah, he, he seems like a nice dude in the movie compared to... <laughs> But anyway, so they're, so they're doing a tour. They're going around, and they're when, basically st- setting up every single location. When Halloran takes, I want to say it's into the pantry. You yep. see him, they're walking toward the camera. They go screen left into the pantry. Then they go in the pantry. They do a little shooting in there. He, he, pick, he points out it's every either, single thing in the it's room. It's either the pantry or the freezer. It's the freezer. Is it the freezer? I think it's the freezer. It's the first one. Yeah, because it's it's before he does the you want some ice cream dot. Yeah, so and they, they do the mind mill. When so they it's come, not when they come out there. It's before when they that. come out of the freezer, they're in a completely different place. Well, it's not actually a, a different place. What they're shooting from the diff, um, the opposite side. Well, it looks completely different. It does because you never you never established that side of the room, and he's shooting from a different. I bet side you could of the pull room. it up on YouTube. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> they're also coming out on, on a different side. Dick Halloran also when he goes and, and grabs the the freezer door, there's a continuity error with his hand. Really? Yeah. And there's a bunch of continuity errors with the set. Like if you look at the lobby when they're first, you know, uh, I think it's when they're first doing the tour, and you get the big dolly shot of the lobby, and it's just when all the workers them. are working and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Right behind uh, the windows, there's a hallway, and then there's some people walking. Well, that hallway would be where the the other side of where the windows are. Right. So it can't exist. 
<laughs> and the the actual set designer brought this up to Stanley Kubrick and was like, well, wait a minute, these these angles don't work. What are we going to do here? And he was like, well, look, we're making a fantasy. It can be whatever. It doesn't have to be realistic. Let's just That's make insane. it look good. Fuck yeah. reality. You know, the the house. The house has got your tab, and it'll get you mixed up, too. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. <clears throat> so, the uh, yeah, so all that soundstage, because, like, out the windows looks really good. Like, totally, like, seeing. Yeah. You know, even they do in the snow, and, then, like, you can, like, see the depth out into there, and, like, you can see the trees and, and then the sky and all that. So uh, that's that's really good, man. It's really good. Uh, it feels real. Yeah, everything is uh, a soundstage. Even the uh, the hedge. That the hedge done, maze. Yeah, that was done in a soundstage. Yeah, man. How the hell did they do that? Like overhead shot <clears throat> where you can see Wendy uh, and uh, Danny, like in the they're in the middle of the maze, and Jack goes over and he's like standing at the at the at the model, and then it oh, shows yeah. this like super wide, uh, you know. Oh, the overhead, the overhead. Looking down. yeah, looking down, and it like and it like pushes in on them. How the fuck did they do that? It is, it's ridiculously simple. That's actually the overhead of the model that Jack Nicholson's looking at, right? And they superimposed uh, Shelley Duvall with some other kid. I don't even think it was the actor that played uh, Danny Torrance, and they just took that little section and superimposed it over that little a little rectangle in the middle. Did they have of the digital maze. then? In 1980? No, what they did was they matched the shadow. Kubrick matched the shadows. I know from the model. It's blowing my mind. Yeah, right. He matched where those hard lines were, and then when he shot the plate, he still had those hard lines. He just stuck it right in there. And if you <laughs> and it look, seats perfectly though. Yeah, if you look real closely, if you pause it at the very end, you can see the frame. Well, I was wondering and if you can the, see it's concrete. She's walking on. <clears throat> I had trouble finding this movie because uh, I, I didn't get a chance to go buy it, and it's nowhere online. Uh, you can't get it on Amazon or anything, but I did find it eventually. Uh, late last night, I was trying to find it, but then, but then today I found it on um, iTunes. So I don't know if the version that's on iTunes, it comes with special features and stuff, which is kind of cool when you buy it like that. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, I had I no like idea. That. That's neat. Uh, but um, I don't know if it's been touched up because it's real clear. It's clean. So I know it's like the, you know, a Blu-ray rip or whatever, but I, I don't know if they went back and cleaned up edges and shit. Like, I don't know if they like George Lucas did. Oh, I don't think, I don't think anything's been like, uh, like, you know, Digital, digitally remastered. Yeah. As far as I know, that was the, that's the only composite shot in the movie. I can't think of anything else that would be. Yeah. I mean, well, even like the... Well, the blood stuff, That those are all like miniatures, right? No. Like, 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 I'm talking about like the elevator? elevator sequence that's and all that? That's not a miniature. That's not a miniature? That's not a miniature. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of water. Yeah. They, uh, they got, they <laughs> didn't even... wine, man, wine. No, <laughs> that actually... would blow my goddamn... Is it wine? No. It's... Okay. <laughs> I've been saying that's a lot of wine. It's whatever the stage blood they were using for, like, uh... <laughs> Productions for close-up blood at the time, and Kubrick like bought the entire stock in England. It's just Kubrick's like a third of this budget is the wine gag. <laughs> I was reading; it took like nine days to reset that shot. Well, it looks like it happens. Uh, are they just reusing the same take, the good take? Because it looks like it happens the exact same. Yeah. So I guess they just did it multiple times and picked the best one and just reuse it. Yeah, I think they did it. Th- they did three takes. Wow. Yeah, I think it's the Guinness Book of World Records for. Uh, the Dick Hall. I keep wanting to call him. What's his last name? Dick uh, Halloran. Halloran, and the Danny scene when they're talking uh, in the kitchen. Right. I think that right there they did like something like a hundred some takes or ninety five takes. Well, I was reading that the, the, those takes the he shot rehearsals as well, so those are considered takes. Yeah. Well, I but think, that's still a lot of rehearsing. I think Stanley Kubrick wanted him to quit. He didn't want Scatman Crothers in that role. He's so good. I know, right? 
Isn't that weird? He's so yeah. fucking good. He wanted the guy that uh, rides the nuke down in um, uh, Doctor Strangelove to play that part. I know he's white. I'm about to say, because don't they call him the N-word in this? So is that, is that him trying to get him out of there, too? <laughs> I saw... Uh, I was like, Jesus, I can't believe they just dropped that out there like that. There's a little skit online I saw. It's uh, producers at Warner Brothers, and they're they're interviewing Stephen King right before they make the movie, right? And they're like, hey, um, we noticed you, you made a mistake in your book. <laughs> and King's like, what do you mean? He goes... The black guy lived, and King goes, "Yeah, he 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 saves Wendy and Danny and helps them escape while Jack blows up." What what do you mean it's a mistake? He goes, and they go, "Don't worry, we'll fix it for you." <laughs> Jesus, you know how cinema goes. We always have to kill off the black people, and they fix that in a long kiss goodnight or the red you can't shirt. Kill me, motherfucker. <laughs> Well, that's an action movie. I don't know if that counts. Was there an action movie trope where you had to kill off the black guy? No, that's just in horror films. Yeah, that is just in horror films. <laughs> I was like, Danny Glover, oh, he always lived in those Lethal Weapon films. Damon Wayans? Yeah. You were a buddy cop movie. You're okay. Yeah, you're all right. that's true. Yeah, you, you're good. Do those. You, you may be live. shot the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on your deathbed. Yeah. Don't go around monsters. <laughs> Scary yeah. houses. Do you remember when the first time you saw this movie? No, I, not really. It was early teens. It was after um, I'd seen The Exorcist and all that stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. This was one of the, the latter ones I got into. Bits and pieces here and there. Didn't really get a full viewing until college. And uh, really didn't like study it until today. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. then you really haven't studied. <laughs> no, I haven't, no. Did, did you guys like this movie the first time you saw it? I did. I, I thought know. the ending was really weird, but I have a weird story when it comes to this movie. When when I was real long, real little, like six, seven, my dad told me a story about a family that goes to a hotel and they're snowed in, and the dad goes crazy and kills them. And I thought he made it up. You're like, Dad, you're the best storyteller. And then he ever. he he called it The Shining. And then one day it's on TV, and I'm watching it, and I'm like. Dad, they stole your movie. My whole childhood is a lie. <laughs> like, you idiot, I didn't write that. <laughs> Just a good story, son. I'll never hurt you, son. <laughs> did he did he give you like a, a like a you know little kid version so like you could understand it so you hadn't seen like, you know, John, Johnny Carson late night yet? So did he he pop in through the door and go, Here's like, Barney He's like he's like and then a thousand gallons of blood come boiling down the elevator shaft. Here's Optimus Prime. <laughs> no, he just said he hacked through the bathroom and he's got oh. an axe and he's chasing her and That is the best line in the movie. What's that? Here's, Here's Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's oh, it's also the most famous. I don't know if it's the best because it's only two words. It's probably my favorite uh camera angle uh is when they're like panning with him as he's swinging. Oh fuck yes, bro! You like you know, and the cam the camera ops yes. just like he pans to the left, kind of goes slow, then boom, and like then like lands with him. That is so badass. It keeps the momentum going. So fucking awesome, and it's scary as fuck because you feel it. You know, it feels like there's some weight to it. You know, yeah, yeah. That's so and you badass. You see those like little pieces of the door like break in toward the camera. Oh yeah, and the shot that's in the bathroom, and you can just see like revealing Jack Nicholson bit by bit. Oh it's, yeah, that is good. Yeah. Although that's great. Yeah. I think my favorite line is, uh, I'm not going to hurt you. Wendy, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your fucking... 
Chicken brains. <laughs> Windy, darling, light of my life. <laughs> Love that line. Motherfucker, you crazy. Oh, that's also magical. Uh, did you guys think uh, Jack Nicholson was a little crazy in the beginning of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. Even when you like see him like driving, there's like that weird three shot where they're like, you know, all. Because that, that, that is a huge staring. difference in the book. Really? Yeah. Because even there, he, he's just like, you know, he's, oh, yes, of course you saw it on TV. You know? Like, you can. He comes even across, that early. Like, yeah, real early. Like, he's he's fighting back some anger issues. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of uh, Jack Nicholson movies here recently, and I, I think that's about as normal as that motherfucker can play it. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you? He just fried his brain so much in the 70s well, that he's I mean, just kind of... Well, I mean, it just as you know, as a viewer watching it, like even when in the car when he's driving, and you could just, he just looks like he's just so ready to throw both of them out of the car. I do love that meme, though, where he's like, Dad, you fart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in that early stuff where he's kind of acting crazy like that, a little strange, I kind of totally see, I just, I just lost his name, uh, Michael Keaton. Like, Michael Keaton's crazy performance, I totally think that he channels Jack Nicholson, especially in this movie. I can see that. It's very, I'm like, whoa, Mike, my, my, Keaton, you're, you're ripping him off. <laughs> Jack Nicholson just has the eyebrows, though. Oh, dude, the crazy just, like, pointed in. Yeah, he's yeah. got him, like fucking just arched in the middle like I'm, yeah and then they go and they, do that to himself or they just naturally See, that way it's got a little crimper that like crimps uh-huh. him up yeah <laughs> maybe i'll take back crazy because even when i was a kid like watching it i just thought he was like done with wendy like he just does not like her anymore but he's stuck with her because he likes danny <laughs> i love my son yeah like, I, he's he's not a happily married guy. That's how it plays to me. And then, you know, you get into the hotel, and he doesn't really hang out with them that much, and creepily watches them out windows. Tossing the ball, trying to break the wall. <laughs> you imagine all the dents in the wall. Throwing balls at that priceless Native American recreated art. It does look pretty cool, though. I'd like to try that. Yeah, it did look fun. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved the movie. You like the book better, though? It's a weird comparison. Like, usually when there's a like a, a novel made from a movie, right? Or the other <laughs> way around. Excuse me, I'm really tired. When there's a, a movie made from a book, like Silence of the Lambs, it kind of has the same... Messaging you know, themes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where... These don't like it's it's the same plot of there's a family they go to a hotel and the hotel's haunted the kids got a little power but past and the dad goes crazy or yeah. possessed which one uh, in the book it's total possession past that like Wendy's completely different Danny's different Jack's different you get definitely more of like why he has to he, like he has to hang on to this job in the book. Like, this is his last chance. There's a lot of things I didn't understand in the book. Like what? Like what? Okay, every time Jack Torrance sees something in the hotel, and Danny always backs him up, and there's even a couple moments for, like, uh, like the hedge animals. There's some hedge animals that come alive. The, uh, the topiary, um, what is it, a lion and a dog and mm-hmm. something else. They, they, like, come to life. The rabbit. Oh, 
<laughs> I just finished uh, reading the end of the book, and when the, the rabbit starts beating its head against the fence <laughs> when the hotel burns down. Because the hotel uh, explodes in the book. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. they changed that in the movie. Um, but yeah, they- It's an awesome scene. Like, in the book, Jack is Jack gets possessed. He gets the hotel wants Danny. It wants Danny's power, right? Um, and it's going to use Jack to kill Danny. Throughout the movie, it's possessing Jack. It's it's totally playing on addiction, and Jack Jack's not like me. He's he's actually trying to fight it. He's trying to save his family, and he just he's making wrong decisions. He's just a fuck up. And there's this great scene at the end where Danny knows Jack has forgot something. But he doesn't know what it is yet. And Jack's chasing. He doesn't have an axe in the book. He has a croquet mallet. Oh, it's mm. yeah. Not not nearly as effective. <laughs> I don't know. That booming sound <laughs> that is described is pretty awesome. Wouldn't be as visual as like hitting the wall. No, it, yeah, it works great in the book. But yeah, carried over to film. Was he like hitting the wall with it? Boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. Come here, you little rat. <laughs> Danny sees him come. He gets him trapped at the end of this, you know, hallway. Right. Right. And. Danny's like talking to him and he he says you're not my dad you're the hotel you're whatever and the like Jack just starts smashing his own face holy shit like to prove that you know it doesn't matter if your dad's here or not there's a moment where Jack's able to take take over again he tells Danny to run and then Danny's like I know what you forgot you forgot the boiler and the hotel's like or the monster and Jack's like no and takes off running and it's great he's like shambling he's a total like monster at this point right it's really good. But yeah, the hotel actually possesses, like it straight out comes out and says, the hotel is control of Jack Torrance at the end. Like he's yeah, he's actually trying to fight it off. Yeah. Uh, it's not like in this movie where, you know, the hotel seems like it's maybe an aid. Well, it, it's a haunted Jack place and there's this, all these, you know, spirits that. Yeah, I mean, know. in the movie it comes across like, you know, cabin fever. You're yeah. you're there. You're going a little nuts. Wendy's annoying. <laughs> Man, fuck yeah. Shelly Duvall is annoying. Man, she just shit. can't get out of this register when she talks. It's like, God. I mean, a lot of people complain about it. I think, I mean, this is my personal opinion. I have no proof of this. I think Kubrick did it on purpose. I think he did it to where you would be like, yeah, I'd go crazy too. Do you think he did it just because he got tired of her shit on set? Because, I mean, dude, there's a great documentary. Uh, making I've of, seen it. The <laughs> Made by Shining. his daughter. Yeah. And, dude, you can just see, like, she admits that she gets jealous of Jack Nicholson. She's like, oh, yeah, just because of all the demanding nature of the role, I just, I get sick and I feel terrible. And the next shot, she's literally, like, there's, like, four people around her bringing her pillows. She's laying down on the ground. And it's like, uh, you know, this kind of does look more like a cry for attention. <laughs> and then, like, cuts to him going, Shelly, you got to get your shit together. Yeah. Well, th- she blew- She totally fucked him up. She blew a scene. Like, they had, like, uh, it was the exterior when she's uh, walking out to, to check the snowcat yeah. in the movie. Because uh, Jack Nicholson's, you got a surprise coming for you. He's like, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and she goes out, and she she didn't hear the call over the radio, and she didn't come out. She, she didn't come out, and they call cut, and she's coming out the door. Then, and Kubrick just yells at her. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing? We're out here fucking killing ourselves, and you're in there having soup." <laughs> <laughs> Tension runs high on a set. What are you gonna do? Especially when you're trying to make your day. I mean, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't there, so I can't 
say rather or not. You know, I can't. I I just feel like he he made her character a little annoying, and she probably got really jealous of the attention Jack Nicholson was getting. Yeah, I feel like I, f- I feel like Kubrick was was losing his mind with her. I, I can imagine he hung out with Jack a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> there's even like a great sarcastic moment where she's like, "Oh, I'm losing." I'm losing chunks of hair here. And she hands, like, Stanley, like, four strains of hair. And he holds it up to the camera, and he goes, chunks of hair. <laughs> this is, oh, damn. Have you never seen that? I've seen, I've seen the, the part where he, like, yells at her uh, out at the door, and then some stuff inside where, you know, he kind of, like, cusses at her a little bit or whatever. Gets, gets, gets upset with her. And yeah. Jack just seems like he's having a great time. Like he's getting mic'd up. <laughs> He's got his little sides. I've seen the scene where he's like pumping himself up for the axe stuff. Oh, dude, yeah. He's like, you know, ah, 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 and he's jumping up and down, just swinging the axe around and shit. Crazy axe murderer. (laughs) One of my favorite scenes from that documentary is watching Kubrick trying to figure out where he's going to shoot the angle from. Oh, and when he's in the pantry? He gets down, he lays down on the ground, he's like, oh, this is nice. Dude, that that is great. I love love it, too, because he's like, hey, uh, Jack, um... Can you still talk to her, but keep your head down? Right. And Jax just kind of like looks at him, and Stan- Stanley laughs. He's like, yeah, you, you do it anyway. <laughs> That's what you get paid for. Do it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a great human moment between the two guys. What are you going to do? Oh, yeah, it looks like they Good got stuff. along great. <laughs> well, I think, you know, Shelley Duvall, um, I think, you know, she spoke good about the experience, I think, like right after it. I think she's come out since and said it was... Troubling, yeah. But she's a method actor. She had to be crazy. She had to put herself in that situation. Is she method? I thought she was uh, more <laughs> of a. Didn't she come from those Robert Altman movies? Where it's all I think a, he was being. Sarcastic. I was totally being sarcastic. Oh, yeah. you were being sarcastic. Yeah, I thought you were making fun of method actors, not just, oh. just random <laughs> actor sarcasm. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> method actors. <laughs> Watching the movie again after. <clears throat> you know rereading the book i had not ever noticed how much different they played the shining that danny has like i had never noticed like in the book it's a it's a you know he can read his parents minds he like it's a much more of a power that he can use he actually sees tony too yeah really yeah yeah in his mouth no. No, no. Tony doesn't live in his mouth? No. no, he has to, like, he, like, summons Tony, and he'll see, like, Tony down the hallway. Like the little girls. But he's, like, always out of focus or far away. It's, it's him, only older. It's, like, an older version of him, a smarter, older version of himself. Whoa, is that what the second, is that what the second book's about? He's, no, you he, find he's that out at the himself? end of the, of the Shining. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's revealed that, uh, was it Danny's middle name is Anthony? Yeah. Anthony. He's, yeah Dan, was it Danny Anthony Torrance? Torrance yeah. yeah, so... But what I'm saying is, like, isn't there another one where he's older, like, like the second book? Yeah, yeah. there's a second. So does yeah. he talk to his younger self in that one? Is he astral projecting himself into? No. Mm, that would opportunity missed, Mister King. Does the uh, <laughs> I'm gonna does the overlook show up at all? Mm-hmm. Nice. Jack shows up. Ooh, That's look at that! All right, all right. That, that, you know, Jack's actually it. the uh, hero of the story. Okay, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out saying. <laughs> I like that. I like this is like Jaws for me. I like the book and the movie. Well, the, the, it's the same plot, different stories, until you get to the end. And both Jaws and The Shining, they're just very different ends. And Jaws, they blew the shark up. 
Right. And the shiny, which is way the, more interesting than they did the opposite, where the book they blow the hotel up, and in this one, the hotel's the hotel's still there. Jack Nicholson freezes to death. Yeah, I like that better. Blowing it up at the end of the novel is a little well. You mean you can it's see a little it, cliche. You can see it coming through the whole book. I just, I mean, I think each ending fits each tone better. I don't know, man. When the, uh, the I guess the real problem I have is when uh, Dick Holleran. Halloran. Halloran. When Quick Dick Halloran. quiz. Uh, what other Stephen King book does he show up in? Oh, I don't know. What book does Dick Halloran show up in? It. Oh, no way. When? The flashback to the African-American bar that burns down, gets yeah. burned down by the KKK. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the... That Ben's remembering? Or his grandfather his, was His that? dad's telling... My, Mike's dad's telling... Oh, yeah, it's Mike. Um... Halloran's the guy that saves his dad and says, don't go that way, it's fixing to blow. And he's like, how do you know? He goes, just trust me. And he throws him out the window. No shit. Yeah. He got the shinning. And he also gets attacked by some some of the hedge animals at the end. I thought that was a little ridiculous. Well, he almost kills Danny. Well, yeah, He's tempted. That little white motherfucker. Why would he kill Danny? The hotel starts getting at him. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's in the he's in there trying to get the snow cat going and he sees the croquet mallets and he picks one up and then the voice in his head's like the little fucker called you out here and he has to kind of stop himself. <laughs> Kubrick and Diane Johnson uh they they finished the script and they had something with Dick Halloran like actually being the bad guy at the end. Oh, really? Yeah, he was actually going to show up at the overlook and he was going to kill Jack Torrance. <laughs> And it's going to have this real crazy weird ending, but thank God they didn't do that. Yeah. Oh, did you guys get that link I sent where um, it was talking about the deleted scene at the last minute of the movie? Mm -mm. There's this, uh, there's script pages that exist, um, and there's some evidence that they may have shot it, but who knows for sure. But I have the script, I've just never read it. Oh, yeah? It's like right after um, Jack freezes, and in the movie it cuts to the... Pushing that dolly shot or that um, uh, steady cam shot of the picture mm-hmm. in the ballroom. Yeah. But before then, it, it goes uh, to Danny and uh, Wendy, and they're in the hospital room. And they have a little scene in there. And there's the uh, oh, who who is it? The guy in the beginning. I forget the character's name that's interviewing him. And he throws him the tennis ball that Jack was throwing around. I've seen a scene. Or am I, I may be just making it up in my head, but. I've seen a scene where it seems like Danny is sitting on a hospital like bed. Wendy is standing over here, and a guy comes in screen left. There's some there's some stills of it that exist. I was able to find stills, and apparently it was online at one time. But I mean, I'm not 100 percent sure. Every time you go to the links, are all been removed from YouTube. So, hmm. yeah, who knows? Fucking Kubrick Estate, Warner Brothers. Movie. I think I've seen that scene. Have you seen it? I think so. But, dude, a lot of people saw it. It was, like, actually in the United States, like, press screenings, and Kubrick at the last minute decided to cut it out after, like, the reviews came out, and they were kind of shitty. He's like, you know, to fix this, let's cut that last scene. Yeah. He sent a, yeah. When the film went out with projectionists, he sent a note out. Huh. Cut, cut, cut right here. Whoa, they cut like that? So it's yeah. possible that some still aired. Yes, the projectionist cut this out. There's some projection. There's somebody at... at, at Somewhere who has a 35 millimeter cut of that. They just took it home with them. I'm sure. And they cut the tail off. Interesting. That's how we'll see it. Eventually. 
and then Warner Brothers will take it down. Let's say there's like 2,000 2, theaters, you know, across the nation. So somewhere there has to be a super cut of all it's just additional editing by, and it's all these projectionists. Well, that, that, was the <laughs> longest, that was the longest cut, and it's only gone further, trimmed down further from there. Right. Like the UK, they had, uh, they had a, like a 20-minute shorter cut of this movie. Cut a lot of stuff out in the beginning and some stuff at the end. Interesting. Yeah. Really? We had trailer time here, guys. I do believe. This is the trailer for The Shining. We'll be back. We're back. That was a trailer for The Shining. It's an interesting trailer. It's a very strange trailer. Yeah, it's all one shot. Elevator opening up, blood coming out. Which is lots of promise, though. There's Jack Nicholson, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Oh, Stanley Kubrick's name is like rolled up like every second. <laughs> by the way. And they go, they do this long, based on the modern masterpiece of horror by Stephen King. That's right. Man, that's the first time I'd ever heard the phrase modern horror. Really? Yeah. I picked up this VHS uh, box. Saul Bass did the, uh, the, the poster as well. Oh, really? Yeah. What, the, the yellow one? Yeah, with the face stretched and the words The Shining. But, yeah, the guy that did the uh, opening titles for Psycho. So, look at that. That's cool. It's connected, dude. Yeah, March Madness, baby. Woo! Worlds colliding. <laughs> Kubrick Hitchcock. Oh, the two... Really great directors. So this movie is, uh, I think it's pretty famous for its uh, its opening. The Just, helicopter I think shot? it's pretty famous, period. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's one of, it, it is one of those movies that, like, even if you haven't seen it, you've kind of seen it. Like, that's you've, true. You've seen parts of it. You've seen pieces of it. You know what it's about. If, you, it, if you've seen Ready Player One, <laughs> you've seen pieces of it. Dude, I rewatched that just so I could see that little shining scene. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, it's I cool. I don't remember. Did they? Is that CGI set or? Yeah, it's a CGI set. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I think they did build like a piece of it. I think they built like a piece of the elevator doors or something like that. Really? Yeah, but I think the rest of it was all. CGI. They did a damn good job. They did, dude. They even like match the film look and everything. Yeah, it's sexy. It is. Oh, attention to detail. 
Oh, and if you see this movie in four uh, three, you are actually seeing more picture. That's right. It was yep. it was shot four three, uh, but he, he did want it to be matted. But he also didn't want it to um, <clears throat> be uh, matted by someone else when it went to home video. So he's like, no. He prepared himself for that. But he did not see 16 by 9 coming. No, yeah. Well, you know, 16 by 9 TVs, those weren't out yet when, right. he, when he passed away. So, right. You know, what are you going to do? Because apparently it is Will. He said uh, you can't mat the DVD. But the first time it was released, matted was the Blu-ray. Because Blu-rays didn't exist then. So... Yeah, it caused a bunch of controversy. And look, the Blu-ray is not—it's not one eight five. It's like one six six. Is it one six six? Yeah, that, that's. I think uh, it's one seven eight. Isn't it one seven eight? Well, one seven eight is one seven eight is uh, is sixteen by nine. Yeah, but like, uh, but like, I was reading a thing where they said that uh, they wanted it to be one six six, like that was what the original matting was supposed to be. Oh, was it? Yeah. I bet you most theaters, though, even at the time, still showed one eight five. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It, but yeah, it, it was framed for one six six. Hmm. Which is in between, uh, you know, uh, four by three and uh, sixteen by nine or uh, one eight five. Yeah, and you can see a lot of mistakes in the uh, in the four three. There's like a helicopter shadow. You totally see the helicopter shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah and you can even see the blades of the helicopter. I think it's <laughs> like, uh, and there's a one shot. Don't worry, we're gonna cut it out. <laughs> it looks <laughs> great in two three five. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. Oh well, yeah, one one eight five. Um, no, like super. I haven't wild. seen that cut. It would be cool. It would be cool. I don't think Kubrick shot in that aspect ratio that much, though. Uh-uh. Two thousand one is the only thing that jumps straight in my head that he did that was in two three five. I don't know if it was just me and Mark playing around or I guess I what, did, uh, no. I don't think I was no. I was at least one eight five. Yeah, I think they're all. But I don't know if it was just Mark and I playing around with aspects one day on the Avid. But Ooh. I've seen scenes of this movie in two three five. Oh, fucks him with it. Were you recutting The Shining, Benson? <laughs> this is what Possible. he does. <laughs> Either that or I picked up a VHS that somebody went, hey, look, it's a 235 version of The Shining. He's got a memento cut where it's backwards. <laughs> Makes more sense. Yeah. When uh, y'all first saw it, did y'all have any like confusion over the ending? No. What, that he died? No, that he's in the picture. Oh. Um, okay, yeah, explain that yeah. to me. I don't know. Nobody can explain that to you. Yeah, because it's kind of like you know, was if if it's not, if is it ghost? Is it the house? Is the only it like, the know? only thing? Did he I go could... into the picture when he died? Yeah. Was he always there? And this a reincarnation of the Jack only Torrance? the only thing I could think then this was after reading the book was that was his way of saying that he's been he's become part of the hotel. Well, he's got that line. It's that mirror shot he's we were talking about he's earlier. Like, he's like, you've, you've always been here. Yeah. He's like, I, I got those moments of deja vu, but, I mean, th- this is ridiculous. I mean, outside of that one moment that he's talking to Wendy, like... I don't know. I, I don't I, know. Well, the you know, when he's hallucinating in the bathroom and talking oh, to the... Oh, that's true. He's like, you're, no, you're the, you're the caretaker. You've always... You've always been the caretaker. And I've been <laughs> here forever. It's not hallucinating. That's a ghost. A very racist ghost. You know, I, I did see a lot of people uh, had an interpretation of this movie being all in... Jack's head. Yeah, where he could be schizophrenic. It can't be. Yeah. Wendy sees the... Skeletons. And the gay dog like, like, guy. Like, no, they're just, just furries. Yeah. For, the well, the no, incarnation no, no, of furries. No, they're still gay furries. It's two men. Well, yeah. I mean... Well, you know. he was just showing dominance over the other guy. The dogs aren't gay. 
Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, no. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't realize that's how no. we talked about furries. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I meant no disrespect to anybody. Um, yeah. Just, my bad. In the book, they're didn't gay. No. <laughs> Once you put on a dog costume, she, it's a whole nother level. I, actually, I love that where, she, where her little sequences where it cuts back because uh, we're all outside and all that like stark white, and then yes. cutting it's like these deep dark reds, and there's even like a scene where it looks like they painted a whole hallway. Like a weird, like, you know, the color, if you mix uh, peanut butter and jelly together, you get that weird, br- that like kind of purplish red. It's a weird, like there's a whole hallway that's colored that and she like runs through it. Oh, yeah, yeah. During, during when all the shit's getting crazy. Yes. And every time it cuts back to her, there's all this color. But like, I, I like it when she comes around and the guy's got his head split wide open. He's like, it's a lovely party or whatever. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. When he's toasting her. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's so badass. Now, all of that stuff is good. That's when she sees the elevator with blood and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. and she just stands there. I'd have been running. And, and plus, like, Grady's the reason he gets out of the uh, right the pantry. How does that even happen? Well, the ghost undoes the door. So it's like ghosts uh, from well, ghosts. Undoes the lock. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Grady was out there, and he was just thinking he's, really he's hard. Just, yeah! <laughs> it was like Patrick Swayze moving that, what was it, a matchbook? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was, it was a um, it was a sprite cap top. Oh, there you go. I've never seen it. Then Benson, You've never seen ghosts. And Benson and I are going to make a little like a uh, clay pot together. Oh my! No, we're not. Love. <laughs> Can we make it a threesome? <laughs> my darling. And just all of a sudden, another set of hands come in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get these heavy digits in. Now y'all can dress in your dog suits and play with clay pots all you want. <laughs> I'm going to drink my beer and go home. (laughs) (laughs) At least we got you drinking. I always thought the skeletons were weird. It seems out of place. It instantly feels like a uh, a haunted house, you know, with all the cobwebs and the skeletons. Well, it is a haunted house, but... (laughs) I know, but it felt very placed. (laughs) I mean, it works. It does. While I'm watching the movie... But if you just freeze frame it on it, it's like, huh. That, and there were a couple of things that, that popped out at me. It was like that, and then the lighting inside of Scatman Crothers' house. Dude, is, I love his posters in there. He's just got, uh, like, naked women no, with when, giant afros. When he's like, on his just, bed, he's, he, that room's decked out. Dude, But I'm talking amazing. about when, he's, when he keeps calling, you know, there's this, like, crazy blue light coming through the windows. And like, yeah. there's, like, this super orange in the background. And it's like, woo. It's, nice like, it's, like, it's, it's, it's like we stepped into comic book a little bit. In, in his world there. No, I think it's more of a noir feel than I think that's what he's... It's always reminded me... What's what Stanley's going Well, for. ever since I've seen Eyes Wide Shut, the lighting in that scene reminds me of the lighting in Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, yeah. It's like he went, hey, did you see that scene we did in The Shining? Just copy that. <laughs> it's also very interesting, the very beginning when they're in their house, everything's white except for them. Yep. Like... Uh, and some of the things that they interact with, like uh, it's like it's like it's like all the props and stuff are like brightly colored, like the cereal and stuff that she's pouring, whatever she's like making breakfast and stuff. Yeah, that's true. And then like even Danny's like wearing red, red and white, and like you know he's got like a red, white, and blue. I just always assumed that it was just, like, like pops out. This is the safe place. This is the white wall safe place. Yeah, they're going to the other place. I just always thought they they were dirt poor. <laughs> they just didn't have shit. Well, they you can't yeah. even paint the walls. Yeah, it's like kind of. Well, it, it, it I mean, some people like white, an, white walls. Yeah, it looks like an apartment. <laughs> you know, if you're just getting a you know crappy place for a little bit, you're not gonna paint the walls, right? 
Man, I like to have yeah. color in my life. Oh, Jared's going to paint the walls. You've read the book, right? Yes, I have read the book. Do you think Jack should have been fired for what he did to the, the student? What do you do to the student? Hey, like what do you do? Punch him in the face for slashing, slashing his, his tires. tires. But he Sounds like he deserved like it. almost all of them. Not just one. Yeah, he I'd have punched him. Why did he slash him? Because he cut him from, from the, the debate, debate team. team. He, the kid he, stuttered, and Jack sped up the clock and cut him from the team. But the kid also cheated on a test. Maybe. I don't know. The details are kind of sketched about that, actually. Because, <laughs> like, as Jack tells the story throughout the book, like, at first, Jack's completely innocent. And then a little later, Jack may have may have sped the clock up. And then a little later, maybe the kid didn't cheat on the test. <laughs> His story, you know, like... Maybe Jack just doesn't like this kid. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it sounds like. He's trying to justify things. I like the cabin fever crazy version of Jack Torrance. Maybe because I saw it first. I think I like that a little bit better than the really uh, regretful, alcoholic father that's in the novel. I see. I just see them as two different, like, they're just different things. I like, I like both of them. I think I just, I think I, I like mean, the I Cabin just, Fever version just a little bit better. I think for a two-hour movie. Two and, the, and a half. Or whatever. The choice of. 223. <laughs> going for going straight to kind of the cabin fever already unsettled personality gets the movie going quicker uh, I think it works great for the movie but I mean in the book I enjoy getting to know Jack and his struggle and seeing him not want to hurt his family and watching him mess up yeah I guess I've just I've always heard my entire life like oh the book is so much better like Everybody that read this book saw this movie was like, yeah, the movie kind of sucks. Really? Yeah, that's what I always that heard. That is the consensus on the interwebs. I see, when I was growing up, I always heard, read the book. The book's awesome, but they're really different. So nobody ever like said which one. Maybe that's the reason I don't have a favorite. Like They set you up for, <laughs> for the disappointment. I love the book. I'm talking about for the film. I love the to- movie. <laughs> I saw the movie first. Yeah. And then when I read the book, I was like, this is nothing like the movie. And then I was really confused. And I was like, is all movies that yeah. are based on books, like, this different? It's, well, it's not that different. I mean, it's got it's got a lot of the same scenes in it. I mean, it's got, I mean, it's got a lot of the, well, some of the same scenes, some of the same, but, and then there's just a lot that's not there. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to cut some stuff for runtime. Is Room 237 and- the same? 217. No, it's 217 in the book. Whoa. Oh, and in the documentary, Room uh, 237, mm-hmm. that has all the crazy conspiracy theory. All nut. the crazy shit, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, the movie's an allegory for the, the Holocaust, Holocaust. <laughs> Native American uh, yeah. genocide, blah, blah, blah. And the, and the moon landing. But the guy in there says that the, the reason that uh, Kubrick uh, changed the room number was because there was a room 217 at the place that they shot, which was like, I think it's the Timberland Lodge in Mount Hood, Oregon. The manager was like, you know what? Can you change the room number? Because we have a 217. So he changed it. And the guy in the documentary for room 237 says, that's bullshit. There's no room 217 there. So I know that's crap. Well, you can get up on the internet and (laughs) you can book that fucking room. (laughs) And that's the one they shot in? No, 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 no. Okay. That's just the exteriors only. Okay. But people still stay. The one that, uh, what is it? The, is it the, the Stanley? Stanley? Yeah. And that's in uh, somewhere in Colorado. 
I forget where that one that yeah, place it's in, is. It's in Colorado. What is that? That's the, the hotel that inspired Stephen King to write the show. Is that the one they did the miniseries in? Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, so the white one. Yeah, that's actually kind of cool that they shot that there because you know it's kind of full circle with the story. And he stayed in room two seventeen, right? Yeah, that that's kind of crazy. Now that room I actually have is like a super expensive and uh, booked out for years. Yeah, of course. I've got a um, key fob for room two seventeen. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Rich Newman went and did a paranormal investigation there and brought me back a bunch of. Hit up the gift shops and all these shiny landmarks. <laughs> Where does the key come from to open up room 237? What do you mean? Out of the master box. Oh, it just appears there, right? Yeah. yeah. The door's just open. The ghost got it out of the master box. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's kind of how you have to take it. That's what happened. Yeah, I mean, because when Jack Nicholson goes in there, he acts like he's never been in that room before. After the fact? Well, After Danny's been choked. Did he go in that room before? No, I don't think so. No, I think Danny straight up steals the key. No, he he he, he turns no, the corner he and, it's, and the door's just yeah. open. And the door's already open with the key, and the key in it. with the key hanging with the red tag on it. Because that's how you know what room it is. Because you go in on the key tag and it says, yeah. "Are you sure Danny doesn't pull the key out of his pocket?" Nope. And then Jack comes up on the door already open. That must be the book. No, it's different. It's different in the book. No, like he 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 comes around the corner and it's open. Danny steals it in the book. Because he wants to go in there and confront whatever's in there to show he, show the ghost he's tough. Yeah. Or something along those lines. Man, I've got a vivid memory of him pulling that key out. Because he, he, comes, he no. comes around the corner. He comes doesn't. around the corner and then like uh, Danny goes into the door and then it dissolves into the mom like she's down in the by the boilers. Okay, why is Wendy doing all the fucking work in this movie? I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> but Jack's not. Jack's. He's, right, he's, he's sitting there writing the same shit over and over and over in the typewriter. He's he's getting the paycheck, he's which like, was a brilliant addition from the book. Oh, that, is that are. in the book? No, because that's so badass. And I, had, I was in there watching it, and I was like, "Damn, that poor PA who had to type all this shit." <laughs> I did notice though, after reading the book and watching the movie, I noticed the scrapbook on the table. Yeah, I'd never noticed that before. Explain. Okay, so when Jack, uh, I think it's the first argument. That Jack Nicholson and um, Shelley Duvall have, right? And it's in the, it's in the lobby. And um, it's when he's like, will you a- hear me fucking typing in here? I'm fucking working. Oh, yeah, where he totally cusses her out out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. She's well, like, okay. On the table, there, there's a medium shot. And on the table of his desk, there's this scrapbook. And it's got a bunch of pictures, right? In, yeah, okay. I remember seeing it now. Yeah. In the novel, that's kind of like how the hotel gets a hold of him. Because Jack's a writer, he's writing a play, and he's down in the cellar, and he finds this scrapbook, and it's it's like a history of the over, Overlook. <clears throat> so at first, he gets, like, obsessed with writing the history of this Overlook, because it's got gangsters and murder, and, you know, like, these le- this lady that brings this 21-year-old guy here that she dies, he takes off. Uh, there's all this, like stuff that gets covered up because all the rich people go to the Overlook to hang out. Right. And it's this like hundred year history of just bad shit. So Jack gets the idea he's going to write this write this out as a book. Like a real tell it all. Well his buddy that gets him the job at the Overlook is one of the owners. It's another like great moment where Jack has to kind of eat crow is gets the big head and he calls Ullman and he's like I'm going to write this. I'm going to tell everything. And Ullman calls Jack's friend. 
Jack's friend calls him and he's like, Jackie boy, you can't, you're not going to write that book. You're not going to do me that way, man. It's Jack has to say, okay, I won't, I won't write the book. Yeah, I got to ruin my business. He gets really pissed though. Yeah. I had the perfect idea. So it's like that scrapbook is kind of like his, his catalyst and it is kind of cool. And I did see an uh, interview with that, uh. Diane Johnson, I think, was the uh, co-screenwriter's name that worked with Stanley Kubrick on the on the script. I saw an interview where she was saying that they, well, she was really fighting to get that scrapbook in the movie. Really? Yeah, and they even had it, like, in the finished script. Of course, they were changing. They were rewriting daily on this movie. But in the finished script, they even had a scene where, like, Jack Nicholson found this um, scrapbook and was looking through it. And that was a bigger thing. And I guess it just all obviously it all hit the cutting room floor. Like even Watson, the guy that comes into the to the interview when he's interviewing with Ullman. Right. Well, in the book he's this like repair guy, cusses a lot. Um and he takes Jack down to the cellar and tells him that the boiler needs to be replaced. And, it, and I think the line is she sweats and if you Something don't like if you don't dump it before it gets to a certain pressure, it can blow up. Hmm. So check it, you know, twice a day. Wouldn't stand by it once it hit 180. Yeah. <laughs> um, then once Jack gets, like, totally obsessed with this scrapbook, he looks up and it's at, like, 195. And he's like, oh, crap. And he has to, like, dump it real quick. There's the whole thing, too, um, in the novel. It becomes, like, a running metaphor. There's this huge wasp nest that, uh, like, uh, Jack finds. When he's doing the shingles, repairing the overlook. Well, it's another, it's another way he just gets... Man, he... Bad luck in the book. But it's great. It was like, uh, it, you know, he, he ends up killing all the wasp, right? So right. it's an empty nest. He brings it into his son's room, and it turns out there's wasp everywhere. They weren't dead at all. They start. They hear Danny screaming in the middle of the night. They go in, and he's got wasp all over him. Oh, fuck him. all of that. Well, yeah, that becomes like this huge, like, um, like every time a character feels pain or a Jack is thinking about a drink, he's like, oh, yeah, it's like the wasp sting. And he keeps rubbing his lips, and that hurts. Every well, he's got time. that habit of when he, back in his drinking days, he would rub his lips. Yeah, so he, he rubs them and raw. Chew aspirin. You see how well written it is. You, like, feel like we know this dude. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that could translate. That's what I'm saying is like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can, I don't think you could capture all that into a movie without the movie seeming stilted. Or really pretentious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it works as a, like a story. Like, I think it's a great story, but then filming it, you would like, why is this dude rubbing his lips all the time? Like, yeah, it would look stupid to see the guy doing that. I think he's on cocaine or something. <laughs> You would. That's yeah. exactly what you would think. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. You know, there's lots of scenes from the book. I would love to have seen, you know, play out. Like the scene where uh, Wendy's starting to catch on. Like, there's something wrong with this place, and Jack's still like trying to cover it up. And he's like, "There's nothing going on." And she reaches into the elevator and pulls out the confetti. She goes, "What is this, Jack?" He's like, "Okay." Because <laughs> that's the first time where like that because. They're here, the elevator in the book is just kind of like going up and down, you know? And it's like, well, who the fuck is operating the elevator? There's a, there's a party room? at midnight. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the closer it gets, the more, it, like, I guess it's sucking power from Jack and Danny, the more alive the hotel is becoming. And it's a party every night? At midnight. Okay. 
unmask witching hour, bro. There was a apparently oh, yeah, that's right the unmask thing. Yeah, uh, there was a costume party. I guess these ghosts are just sort of reliving, and there's a certain point where Wendy starts noticing like this place is not right, but. Jack knows he doesn't have any, like, if he leaves here, he's, what's he going to do, pump gas? Right. Like, he has no options. But if he makes it through this, then his buddy can get him back on as a teacher again. So, he's trying really hard to make it through. Right. But Wendy wants to leave, and she's like, the place, there's something wrong here, Jack. And he's like, that's just a busted elevator. And she reaches in and grabs his handful of confetti and party stuff. She's like, what is that, Jack? He's like, all right. (laughs) We'll leave. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, there's never a moment like that in the in the movie. There's never like where, uh, a moment until the crazy stuff starts happening at the end. Yeah, where the characters can like grab each other and say like, "Oh, look at this physical." You know. I mean, like, well, I mean, Danny gets hurt. But there's not. But there's also not like Jack and Wendy seem completely separate in this movie. Like he does not seem like he likes her a lot. But in the book, like you get those moments where Jack's like, he 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 obviously likes Wendy, and oh yeah, he's like, there's like one scene where like they're having a conversation. He's like, I'm just gonna rub rub your nipple, baby. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're well, like, sometimes you gotta do that. You hey, know? hey, we, Jack, we gotta get out of here. He's like, oh, it's okay, baby. I'm just gonna rub your nipple. Hey, you gonna forget all about this just right now? Smooth. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> And also, I love the scene, too, in the book where uh, Danny's telling him that the hedge, the hedge animals came after him and Jack's like, stop lying. And Danny, like, suddenly knows that Jack saw it, too. Oh, yeah. And he goes, you saw it. And he just slaps the shit out of him. (laughs) You promised you'd never hit him. Did he jerk his arm out out of socket in the book as well? Yeah, that is from the book. No, uh, he breaks it in the book. Yeah. He breaks his arm. Damn. It's an accident. But that's in the, see in the book, he that doesn't cause him to quit drinking. Like he keeps drinking after that. It's when his buddy that actually gets him this job, and him are coming home from a late night bender, and they run over a bicycle, and but they can't find the kid. It freaks him out because he keeps thinking like, what if there was, you know, what if we had killed a kid? Right. And at the time, him and Wendy are not getting along, and Danny's real young. And he it's real cool the way it's described, because Danny can read their minds, but he doesn't know what these words mean. Like, he doesn't know what S-U-C-I-D-E means. What does D-I-V-O-R... That's got to be really bad. He doesn't want that one. Right. What is he... Daddy's thinking about the bad thing? The bad thing, yeah. Is that what he says? Yeah. Okay. That's when uh, Jack Torrance is thinking about, you know... He needs to drink, man. Hell yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think Kubrick did the the right stuff when he narrowed it down to... I never understood uh, Stephen King's complaint. Because he, he put all his work into building these characters and... And he also wrote a draft of the first... He also wrote the first draft of the script and Kubrick threw it out. Yeah, but it was part of the contract. Yeah. I mean, Kubrick told him he was going to change some things and King said fine. I mean, all of his adaptations up in... Well, I guess... What uh, Stephen King movies were out by that point? Carrie. Carrie. That was it, right? Uh, and um, there was something else. I can't think of anything. Uh, Salem's Dead Lot. Zone, maybe? Salem's Lot? Was Salem's that on Lot. TV? Yeah, that yeah, had come that out. A, that was the two things. What was, this, what was the other one? I don't. What year was Dead Zone? Oh, no, that was 83. Was it? Yeah, uh, so it was just Salem's Lot yeah, and Carrie. Yeah, it was 80-something, yeah. So, yeah, it just had to have been Salem's Lot and Carrie. 
I don't know. Carrie was a pretty good adaptation. Oh no, okay. Yeah, Carrie's a great ad- adaptation. Like that one's actually better than the book, in my opinion. Man, De Palma's a good filmmaker, dude. I mean, I'm not gonna argue with that. I, yeah, I'm not gonna. And that book sort of just. I, I'm I'm not a big fan of the way it's written. The whole piecemealed from interviews and articles and. I really, I honestly believe, because I mean, I've, I've heard the story of how he, he was writing it and he gave up, threw it in the trash. His wife pulled it out and was like, hey, this is pretty good. Finish it. I think he wrote to a certain point and he went, this is too long to be a short story and it's not long enough to be a novel. And then she said, finish it. So he beefed it up by adding in all these interviews and. Dude, it's been a really long time since I've read that. <laughs> I Yeah, I'd have to read. I have to reread that. Yeah, I don't even remember that. Yeah, there's like interviews, post-event interviews with people, invest congressional investigations. Um, I re- yeah, I remember like maybe one or two of those though. But you're saying they're like there's a whole bunch throughout. That's yeah, it's, how it's, through, it's throughout the book. Like it'll go from excerpt of blankety blank book about the blankety blank interview with and it'll be like this interview with the former next door neighbor of carrie and carrie saw her in a bathing suit when she was like three years old and didn't know what breasts were <laughs> and her mom went crazy plug it up, bro. Plug it up. and then plug it'll, it it'll up. cut from that to like a scene like just narr- narration of the story and it'll cut to sue snell interview at congressional hearing Wow. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm not remembering that. Man. Okay. I need to reread that. The carnage at the end is a lot more, but oh, I I do remember that. The the visual of like how she kills her mom in the movie and then how she destroys the prom is scarier than destroying the whole town. I remember reading that book and just being like, oh my gosh, the Carrie movie was kind of a cheap thing. That wasn't a big budget thing at all. And it's like, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, oh, Carrie, it's a fucking classic, man. No, never occurred to me once. It was like, oh, no, that's just another cheap horror movie. Stephen who? Stephen, what? King? Yeah, this is first. Yeah, what is this? No, by the time I was a kid, it was like, Stephen King? Oh, yeah, dude. Right. That guy guy does quality. Uh, It was like, yeah, you could buy the Stephen King library. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Get your a complete version of The Stand, unabridged, for right. the first time ever. <laughs> oh, yeah, I want to read more. Uh, yes, please. I'm a glutton for punishment. Is it longer? Than, it's got to be longer than it, right? Yeah. 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 The unabridged is. The abridged is. The original version is not. It's like 800-something pages. Hey, man. You know, that version is the one I read. Didn't feel bad. Yeah, it moves pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, it takes a while to end the world and start a new society and <laughs> have have devils and, you know, like, you know, farm people that are like kind of children of the corn, but they're the good kind that come out. And... You're supposed to read this book in six days and then you rest. My wife read it in three. Holy shit. Wow. She had never read it. I was like, oh, you should read it. It's total, total get you hooked. She didn't bathe. She didn't eat. Two hours later, <laughs> she's sitting there going, I got to finish it. You know what it's about, right? No, you, I'm just from what you just said. Oh, uh, well, there's a super flu the government creates, and it gets out. So, like, the first third of the book is government's trying to keep hush-hush 
Like, we didn't have anything to do with this. There's nothing to worry about. But everybody's catching this flu that's not going away. Right. But then certain people who aren't sick start having these dreams of either this old black lady in Nebraska or this dark man in Nevada. So then after, like, 99% of the population dies, and it's cool because you get, like, the government point of view when they're getting the statistics and they're like... What's the kill rate? It's like 99.9. And like, oh, great. And like the guy in charge blows his own head off. And But they they realize they're survivors. Like one of them, the, one of the main guys, Stu Redman, he comes in contact with it like real early. So they take him to quarantine with all of his neighbors. And all of his neighbors die. Then the nurses start dying. <laughs> the doctors die. So he's there by himself. And this, he ends up getting out. So anyway, the survivors all start trying to figure out how to survive. You know, like Walking Dead, sort of. Right. They figure out everybody's having the same dream, so they either start going to Las Vegas or going to see the old lady in Nebraska. In the cornfield. In the cornfield. Children of the corn, bro. Okay. Um, it's a cult. And it becomes like, she's the force of... The force of good is gathering here, and the force of evil is gathering around this guy. Wow. It, it's a great book. Isn't this, there a movie? Oh, yeah. Well, no. There's, there's a, a miniseries. Series. That's what it was. Okay. Mick Garris did it. Uh, it's the same um, same director. I think uh, Stephen King also wrote the teleplay for both, even. Uh, they also did The Shiny. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, when I saw the miniseries, I was like, why are they just... Well, I don't understand. Why is just those four have got to go to, Nevada, go to Las Vegas? I don't get it. And then when I read the book, I was like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> that didn't explain it all. No, I just completely missed the the meaning. Hmm. Like, man, it's been a really long time since I've seen that miniseries. I tried rewatching it because it's on Netflix. Yeah, um, I oh, think it's, it? yeah, I think it's still on. Wow. And uh, uh, I did twenty five minutes in. I was like, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> my kids you watched it gracefully. My kids watched it and loved it. Like, they were hooked. And I'm watching it going, ah, because the production value is... It's so fucking TV, dude. Yeah. It's so TV. Uh, that's one thing I will say. The the Shining miniseries production value is ten times better than The Stand. Really? Yeah, it's a lot better. They put some money into it. Better than the Tommyknockers? Yes. Uh, the uh, the hedge animals, the topiary animals that come to life, those still... Look like shit. Yeah, the CGI in those look like fucking ass fuck, but... Everything else, not bad. You know, quality. Like, the shots are pretty good. Rebecca DeMorney uh, was cast She's as She's hot. Yeah, she was great. It, it was, it's, it's worth watching. Although, I will say, if you watch The Stand, first episode, like, within the first ten minutes, you see Ed Harris. Oh. Do a nice little cameo. Yeah, who, what's the I guy's completely name? completely forgot about that. Uh, who, man, what's the guy's name that's playing Stu? Gary Sinise. Yeah, Gary Sinise. Ooh, he's good. Sorry. I just blinked out there. I apologize. Yes. Uh, he's good in the movie. Lieutenant Dan. And the uh I just, I just always thought the old it was, lady's good. Oh yeah, she's well she's a young lady, actually. That's makeup. What? Yeah. That that that's where all the budget went. Damn, maybe maybe that is where all the budget went. Well, you know what? I only watched rewatched the first episode, so let me go back and rewatch that. <laughs> but no, as a kid, like that totally fooled me, man. No, I thought that was a yeah, I thought that lady'd be dead by now. Yeah, I remember watching a uh, making of that came on after the DVD. After you watched all four parts, 
and they had a little interview with the cast, and it was, she's like 30. I'm like, wait a minute. I always thought it was weird that you, like, Rob Lowe's name was either Top Bill or Second Bill, but he's got to play the mute guy. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that was after his, like, uh, that was kind of like his comeback thing after his weird um, sex tape. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think so. Right, that was like one of his comeback vehicles. After that, back when a sex tape could ruin you instead of make you. <laughs> well, yeah, well, okay, what happened there? <laughs> sex sells, baby. It does now. Didn't, make you famous. Didn't in the eighties. Nope. Now it's like you got to plan when you're going to drop your sex tape. Yeah, I'm dropping mine next year, guys. Oh, really? Yeah, in my third my third year of the podcast, that's hey, when can, my sex tape comes hey, out. Can I do a cameo? <laughs> oh, you're in it. You just don't even know it yet. <laughs> Dressed like a dog. You just like pop up in the window going, hey, everybody at home. Hi. <laughs> you're just going to be like uh, like Hitchcock. You're just going to be standing and look back in the window and be like, all right. And keep in mind, you're going to be editing it as well. <laughs> Wait, okay. Uh, who who sent the meme uh, where it was like, uh, why does uh, why does Hitchcock look like he's pissing in every photo? Oh, that was me, <laughs> oh, oh, dude. I, it, it's true. If you look at any photo of Alfred Hitchcock, it looks like he's taking a piss. Well, dude, I he's always looking over his shoulder. You know, it, when you sent that to me, it was like a selection of four photos. Right. And I was like, well, you know what? That's not fucking true. I'm gonna I'm gonna send this guy a a fucking picture of fucking Alfred Hitchcock where he doesn't look like he's taking a piss. I had a really hard time. Find it. it wasn't on IMDb. I think he's always just trying to look mysterious, but this just he's got piss face. Well, you know, it's because he's he, he's known for standing to the side. You know, that's kind of yeah. like the Alfred Hitchcock logo. You know, his profile. Yeah. So. I guess you're always, you know, when you're taking a piss, you stand to the side. And, and, you, know, and you, you look over at somebody standing next to you. <laughs> that's, that's just the look that he gives. Please don't make eye contact. That's weird. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Oh, look away. <laughs> look away. Guys, we at the rating? I think we are. All right. Gentlemen. All, all together. Shiny. One, two, three. Ten. <laughs> ten. Oh. oh, wait. You said all together. One, two, three, ten. You did a countdown, man. Well, I was going to go one, two, three. I was going to go one, two, three. Uh, I thought you. Said, I thought you were doing it right there. Oh, that was a real fast one. I, I, I couldn't even say one, two, three, ten. <laughs> right. Do we go on? Is it one, two, three, go? Or I fucked up? So <laughs> you guys figure this out. <sighs> it's always one, two, three, go. Damn it! But okay. I think we're all going to rate it the same. We all, we all giving this ten? Yeah, totally. You, if you don't give this a ten, you're an asshole. Nine point eight. <laughs> <laughs> it rounds up to a ten. Yeah, okay, like, I guess, I'm, I'm giving it a 10 based off the movie it is, but, like, if I had to put it in Kubrick's filmography, I'd, it's not my favorite Kubrick film. It's not even my top three favorite. Really? Yeah. List them. List them? Uh, let me see. Uh, 2001. Oh, I wasn't prepared for this. I, I guess I would go Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, Barry Lyndon, Eyes Wide Shut. And then I'd put this movie. Throwing it down. That's interesting. That is interesting. I think that would be my top five. It does feel like an experiment for Kubrick. Well, you know, I think it was an audience, like, it was an audience pleaser. He was trying to really, like, just connect and make some fucking money. Because I think, well, not, okay, he wasn't trying to make money. He wasn't whoring himself out. And that's not what I meant. No, to me, it feels like he, he made a war movie. He's trying. He made an epic Spartacus type Roman movie. Everybody said Barry Lyndon was boring. He made <laughs> he made a space movie. Yeah, I, I think he was like the greatest. All right, I want to make a horror movie. Well, he he turned down The Exorcist. 
and he felt like uh, you know he he was impressed with uh, William Freakin, and you know he's like, damn, I, I want to make a horror film. So he started watching a lot of horror movies and reading a lot of horror books, and you know this is when he came across. So let's do it. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I would like to be like William Freakin or Steven Spielberg when you got the the phone call from Stanley Kubrick. Like at that moment, you know you know you're a badass. <laughs> he's like, you did a good job, kid. Yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> wait, wait, you're calling me. You, you just, you just want to tell me you saw my movie and you liked it? Oh, okay, all right. Oh, that's cool. that's the best phone call you could ever get. Or what about if you're Spielberg and you're like, no, Stanley, you need to make the movie. And he's like, no, you need to direct it. I'm gonna produce it. <laughs> Whatever. It's fucking uh, Steven Spielberg was like, uh, Stanley Kubrick, uh, get your ass out the fucking goddamn sets at at Elster because uh, let me tell you what uh, I need to make. Uh, what was it? It was a uh, what was the movie uh, Spielberg was making? Um, it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark actually got pushed back because The Shining kept extending its schedule. Because <laughs> I think the original schedule was like something like uh, fifteen weeks. And they shot for a year. Uh, fifty-one weeks is what is on the books. I don't know how accurate that really <laughs> is. I'm not hundred percent sure. It's a long ass shoot for that man. That's what's on the books, but like the editor is. Uh, Ray Lovejoy, the editor for Batman. Yeah. Yeah, he actually came out and Aliens, by the way. Um he came f- out and said that they, they actually shot for over a little bit over a year. Ooh. I had a film so. teacher that was not a Kubrick fan. For the very reason he said you give me that many takes, you give anybody that many takes, that long to shoot it and a good editor, you're going to come up with something. Well, I think Stanley Kubrick's response to that was you give me all this money, I get to spend all this time in pre-production. I get to spend a fucking year in pre-production, writing the script and planning it. Why do I not get to spend some fucking time actually making what you said I could make? What like what you're paying for? Let's put our money here. One of my favorite. Kind of makes sense. It does. Yeah. One of my favorite Kubrick quotes comes from this movie. Which one? Nicholson said something to him like, "I." I don't think I would do it that, like, if this was real, I wouldn't do that. And he said, it's something like, real life is boring. Do you want this to be boring or good? Uh, he, he told uh, Sidney Pollack something like that on uh, Eyes Wide Shut, where he's just like, he's like, yeah, yeah, no, realistic's good. Interesting's better. The other one from, yeah, the so. other one from Eyes Wide Shut was, uh, was it was either Sidney Pollack or Tom Cruise complaining about the number of takes. And Kubrick went, well, when you get it right, we stop. Ooh. <laughs> Throwing some shade, Kubrick. I mean, hey, he would, he would call it like he saw it. Do it, Brian. You've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email to themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E. That's right. Extra E at the end of the word crew at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Tuned In, Overcast, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at MovieCrewPod. Benson, where can our audience follow you, sir? At the B-Man on Twitter. Jared, where can they follow you, sir? Well, you can find me on Instagram at uh, CheckTheGate and on Twitter at Jared B. Callen. All right, we're going to be closing out the show like we normally do with a little bit of the soundtrack. We're going to be playing track one from The Shining, 
titled main titles from composer Wendy Carlos and Rachel Alkind. Enjoy. Thank mm-hmm. you. 